When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Disastrous outcome. Nothing personal. Word of the day for March 2nd, 2022 is disastrous outcome. You're hearing that a lot. Not talking about the war in Ukraine, although it could be apt. We're talking about Major League Baseball. Commissioner Rob Manford told us many days ago that canceling games would be a disastrous outcome. And here we are, the first six games, the first two series of the 2022 season have been canceled. The narrative out there is so wrong in so many ways that I want to clarify. We did an emergency show last night, which we enjoyed doing live on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening to that. Got a little extra pod in there. But the reality is that a couple things are going on. One, stop saying that opening day has been canceled, please. Opening day has not been canceled. It's been postponed. Does it, do you say that when there's a rain out on game one and you have to play opening day on Wednesday instead of Tuesday or Saturday instead of Friday because of rain or snow or sleet or hail or locusts or slain of your firstborn? No, you say it's been postponed. There will be an opening day. Now, a disastrous outcome would definitely be if there's no opening day. That would be a disastrous outcome for sure. As a matter of fact, uh, Hall of Famer Jason Stark wrote an article about this very subject today on his website called The Athletic, where he said that maybe the disastrous outcome is not losing the first two series. Maybe it can get worse. It can always get worse. Coke and I were preparing for this show talking about disastrous outcomes, and Coke said to me, hey, let's talk about movies. Let's talk about... Jack and Rose and the Titanic and Jimmy Cameron. Was it a disastrous outcome when the Titanic hit the iceberg? No, it got way worse after that. The disastrous outcome is when they didn't have enough lifeboats. That was the disastrous outcome. So for all of you who think that MLB is in real trouble, all the fans are going to go away. Everyone's so pissed off. They're never coming back. It's a nightmare. Players are greedy. Owners are greedy. Samson's a shill for the owners. Samson's boot licking the players. I'm not licking any boots. It's disgusting. I have OCD. I wouldn't be a boot licker if you paid me to be a boot licker. Now, I did do a shoe ya, but it was a brand new shoe that I didn't share. I digress. Can we talk about what happened in baseball after they canceled the games and Rob Manford met the media? Do you know how hard it is to do a press conference? It's hard. Just so you know. When you're standing there and you've got to deliver news. I had to do press conferences about threatening to relocate a team or press conferences after a player passed away or press conferences after a hiring or a firing or a trade. It's just hard because you're trying to figure out the way 
to communicate what you're really thinking. You know you're being watched and you're everything that you do, every word that you say, every expression, every facial expression. Poor Rob Manford. Now, people aren't, I'm not backing him up because I like him, because I do like him. But have, you know, I hear from people in baseball, by the way, who say to me, you know, you're a little too critical of Rob, given your relationship with him. Don't you think you need to go a little easier on him? And my answer is, I don't work for him anymore. And so it's not my job. And by the way, I never worked for him. He always worked for us. But no, I don't need to be less critical of Rob. I'm going to give you an honest appraisal of what happened and where Rob is responsible and where he's not. Where he's not responsible is for a work stoppage. There are 30 owners responsible for a work stoppage and 1,200 players. It's not Tony Clark. It's not Bruce Meyer. It's not Scott Boris. It's not Rob Manford. It's not Dan Hallam. If 23 owners went up to Rob Manford and said, cut a deal with the players or you're fired, guess what? There'd be a deal with the players. If 601 players said to Tony Clark and Bruce Meyer, we want a deal at the last offer from the owners, there'd be a deal. 23 owners said we want the deal that the players have offered, there'd be a deal. So just make sure when you're asked for information or you are someone who's an opinion maker, an influencer, and people pay attention because you have a platform, whether it's one person, 10 people, or 10 million people, get the facts straight. Rob Manford is not to blame just like Tony Clark is not to blame. Now, that doesn't mean they're not the front-facing public figure of this. It doesn't mean that Rob Manford should have smiled in any way, even though it was nervous laughter. It doesn't mean that Rob Manford shouldn't have been more careful with his choice of words. Certainly shouldn't have talked about the fact that owners have had a tough time in the last five years with revenue. No one wants to hear about owners struggling. No one cares. Whether they have or have not, no one cares. The question that you should all be asking yourselves, and the only question is what now? We got a little insight into what now, and it wasn't great from Rob and Bruce Meyer and Tony Clark, the executive director. Tony Clark released a statement through the Major League Baseball Players Association. I don't like using big words and statements like disgusted, where in their statement they said fans are disgusted. I think that what everyone's trying to protect against is fans being apathetic. That's the much bigger concern because I have news for you. As owners and as players, they actually don't care if you're disgusted and they don't care if you're elated. They care if you're neither. The biggest thing that you have to guard against when you run a team is apathy. Period. Hard stop. Tony Clark said the game has suffered damage for a while now. The game has changed. The game has been manipulated. Players have been commoditized in a way that's really hard to explain in the grand scheme. Well, let me try to explain why players have been commoditized. I've been criticized left, right, and center, whether it's on a Levitard show or any number of other outlets where I'm willing to tell you the actual thought process that owners and GMs have. And I've told you that we look at owners as our product. I did not look at them as people the way I should have. I looked at players as commodities, as widgets, because for me, they were part of the operation of the business that I was running. 
It made me less sympathetic than I should have been. It made me less apt to understand off the field issues than I should have been. It made me less apt to care about trading or releasing or all the other cold-blooded business things that you have to do when you run a team and that when you do it to products that are inanimate, it doesn't have that big an impact. But then I realized that I'm being a little too hard on myself because Think about a factory or a company where there's a ton of time spent on developing a product. I'm thinking about one of my favorite movies called Elizabethtown, where Orlando Bloom worked for Alec Baldwin designing shoes, came up with the spasmodica. And the number of people who spent hours, weeks, months, and years designing this new shoe that nobody bought. The shoe was so bad it could cause a generation of people to run with bare feet. So the shoe goes away, but guess what? There's people behind those products that are impacted. When you choose to buy one thing versus another, when you choose to drink Coke instead of Pepsi, that impacts the people at Pepsi. And you'll say, don't be ridiculous, David. There's plenty of people who choose Pepsi. Plenty of people, everyone's fine. All right, how about RC Cola? Do you understand my point? He says rhetorically while looking into a camera, not in front of a studio audience with no co-host other than Coca sitting there in my ear. Do you understand the point I'm making? There are people behind people and there are people behind the making of products. Why do we commoditize players in Major League Baseball? Because that's what they are in terms of baseball players and putting a team together in the most efficient way to win the maximum number of games for the minimum amount of money, which is the same exact thing that every company is trying to do to you right now. They are trying to get the same productivity, if not increased, with decreasing costs. It's why there are firings. It's why there are layoffs. Do you think when the auto industry does layoffs, why do you think they're doing that? They're doing it because they need to protect the employees who survive the layoffs, they need to protect the existence of the company and the production of the cars that they're still making versus the cars they're not. But there's still families who get laid off. There's still people who get impacted. But you think factory workers are not commoditized or workers in your industry or mine? We're all commodities. Make no mistake. Major League Baseball players are not the only sector of people who have been commoditized. We live in a world where efficiency is so much more important than emotionality. We live in a world where efficacy is something that's discussed as some sort of badge of honor. And maybe it should be. Maybe the ultimate society as we head toward AI is a society where we don't have to think about the emotions of people or the ramifications of people with human mistakes. We're developing now robots to deliver your Amazon goods. Do you know why? Because they won't get lost. They won't steal your crap. Does that mean we're commoditizing delivery workers? No, it means we're trying to be more efficient. So that's not a huge epiphany by Tony Clark. So now there comes a ceremony. Picture the Olympic medal ceremony with the Russians having medaled where you're standing up there and no anthem can be played and no flag can be shown. That's the type of ceremony we're having right now and we're standing in it 
and we're standing very quietly, owners on one side, players on the other. We're playing a game of, what's it called? Oh, come on, Coca. There's no way you're in my brain on this. I'm at the bottom of the document. Are you in my ear at all? What's the game where you have two sides? Red Rover, Red Rover, let Johnny come over. Is that a game or it's when you, you're on two sides of something and you are sort of waiting to go after each other, but you end up just staying there. Maybe it's capture the flag. Uh, Stratego. I don't know. Battleship. All right, Coco, we'll go with Battleship. I don't think it's Battleship, but we could go with Battleship. Before Miss. Ooh. C69. Nice. Hit. So you've got owners on one side. you got players on another. When are we going to start again? That's the number one question being asked. Did you hear it at the press conference yesterday, the Rob Manfred press conference? Someone asked, so what's next? And Rob Manfred said, what do you mean what's next? We made a complete comprehensive offer to the players. So I guess you'd have to ask them when they're going to respond. Bruce Myers said they made an offer and characterized it as best and final. To me, that means don't bother counter-offering. That's what best and final means. Bruce, may I introduce you to Scott Boris? May I introduce you to every other player agent in Major League Baseball? When a team comes to you and says, this is our best offer, that means they got a few more mil and maybe another couple of years in the old quiver. We never said it was last best final because we knew our owner would still give in a little bit. Give a little bit. Give a little bit of your love to me. I think there should be a sing session, maybe a karaoke session between the owners and the players. I always found that it was easier to get along with players when we'd go out and we'd be seen outside of the clubhouse and outside of the ballpark where they could see that I was normal and I could see that they were normal and we could just have conversations. I was texting with a bunch of players yesterday and we were just texting about the back and forth of what's happening and sort of the insanity of it all and hoping that it ends soon because that's what owners want and that's what players want. They want this to end soon. But they also know they have to represent and be on the side that they're on. It's like sort of blind loyalty. I get all that. But if we're arguing now about whether or not MLB made its last offer, let's stop the argument. MLB has more to give and will give more in CBT and pre-arbitration pool money. Listen to the show yesterday. I went through all the examples where MLB still has room to go and will go. Players still have room to compromise. They know that too. So stop it. Oh, right. You're not going to stop it because we haven't hit the deadline yet because we're both willing to miss games because we all know that having more than under 162 games still makes a representative season. But we also know we can't get to the disastrous outcome that includes missing a World Series or not having a representative season. We are not going to get to that point. We can't. That's what the players are saying to each other. That's what the owners are saying to each other. In the meantime, you can have the players say, best and final, I guess we shouldn't counter offer. Rob Manford responds, we never used the phrase last best final offer with the union. We said it was our best and final offer prior to the deadline to cancel games. You say tomato, I say tomato. You say semantic, I say semantic. 
we're both saying the same thing. These are not dumb people, folks. Do you believe that Bruce Meyer believes that the owners have made their final offer? Do you believe that the owners think that the players are not going to come back to the table and negotiate? The fact is negotiations are in a deadlock right now. That's it. It's not an impasse. Impasse is a legal word that's not going to be used. I promise you, you're not going to hear that. Do you know why you're not going to hear the word impasse? Because we're not off the cliff of disaster. We still have enough lifeboats for all the passengers on the Titanic. That is MLB having hit the 2022 season iceberg. Impasse is when the car is going. Daniel Craig was at an impasse at the end of No Time to Die. Spoiler alert. That's an impasse. We're not there yet. Don't worry. Max Scherzer said something yesterday. Max Scherzer's funny. Did you see the picture? Did anyone, Coca, can you get it up there? Can you show it on, on a video podcast or an audio podcast? The picture of the players standing behind uh, the union press conference. It was Tony Clark and a bunch of players. There were two players, three former Marlins. Andrew Miller was in the photo. Steve Ciszek was in the photo, former closer, such a great guy. And one of my favorite players of all time, a good friend, AJ Ramos. And that's not a flex. He really is a good friend. And he's someone who I speak to often and enjoy spending time with because boy, is he fun. And uh, he was standing there and they were all standing all sort of in lockstep with their their long faces saying, grr, we are united. I like that look. But that was staged, right? It was important for you as fans to see, wow, these players aren't screwing around. Max Scherzer was there looking all tough. I liked it. The owners never did it that way. They never have press conferences with the owner standing in the background, and here's why. <laughs> this is funny to me. In Florida, when there is a hurricane, and you know this too in New York, wherever you are, and you go to a live update, you've got the governor giving an update. Hey, we're going to DEFCON 4, and we're opening up the shelters, and everyone stay home. Bring in your pets. It's going to be 40 degrees. Bring in your plants. We've got a Category 5 that we're right in the middle of, but it may miss, it may not. And you've got behind all these people in, the, in, the, in Miami, it was always the county commissioners who would stand there trying to get airtime. It was always funny to me to see who was in the background. I don't mean the person who is signing. That's an important person, right? Someone who's communicating to people who, who, have, who are hearing impaired. I, I get all that. I'm talking about the elected officials who have nothing to do with the message they just want to get at part of the tragedy or part of the crisis because there's nothing better for re-election than showing strength in a crisis. So as owners, they would all get together and say, hey, do you want to stand there while Rob is giving the press conferences? And the answer is, nope, do you? Nope, we're not running for re-election. We don't care to show that kind of strength because we know that Rob will do and every commissioner will do what we need the commissioner to do. But on the player's side, they think that it shows that strength. You know, you get the players there and they sort of these big men and they are 
folding their arms as though they're standing there. It's sort of like the picture behind me, right? The franchise. Anyway, it made me smile. But that has nothing to do with my third deal get done, is who's behind the people talking. But Max Scherzer uh, said something yesterday. He listened to nothing personal, and he commented on the CBT, and he said that we look at the competitive balance tax as a breakaway spending mechanism. That's how this was supposed to be. No, it wasn't. That, that's me telling Max what the CBT was for. It was not for breakaway spending. It was to put in a salary cap without there being a salary cap. And then Scherzer said, we're not seeing it function as breakaway spending. We're seeing it act as a salary cap. <gasps> no way. The CBT thresholds are acting like a salary cap? Come on, man. NSS, baby. Of course they are. And you know what, Max? Guess who doesn't care about that? The majority of your union because they're never going to be free agents the way you are. And you shouldn't care either. Because as long as you've got four or five teams who are willing to spend up to the cap and have payrolls in the $200 million range, there'll always be room for you to make $40 million. And for people like you. There was another good player quote that I really did like. And it is a, it's something that you hear players say a lot. Anthony Rizzo talked about the fact that we're doing this for future baseball players. That was a huge part of the union back in the 70s. The Marvin Miller, when free agency happened, that was all for the future players. You see that a lot in the NFL. All of the, all of the players saying, we're doing this for the young players coming up. And I get that. But on the other hand, are they really doing it for the young players? because young players make up the majority of the union. And by the way, in the uh, uh, proposal by the owners that was turned down, the young players were getting 130 grand more per year as a minimum salary. Just a little nugget there, Max, and for the other wealthy Scott Boris players on the executive council, I, as president of the Marlins, would have voted no to the agreement that the owners put in front of you that you turned down. And the reason I, as the president of the Marlins, would have voted no is there's too much money going to the young players and there's not enough disincentive for the large market teams not to increase their spending and widen the gap between what we can spend and what they can spend. So I would have been a no. I probably could have gotten eight people with me too, given the chance. I could have found a caucus of small market teams to say, man, we're getting screwed here. Don't let this CBT thing go. We cannot raise this, thre this threshold anymore, and we've got to keep the penalties strong. We cannot send an offer to the players that keeps the penalties the way they are because look at the Mets, man. They're going nuts. And that hurts our ability to win a division. And we got to get expanded playoffs because I got to get the playoff revenue because that gives me an opportunity to sell more season tickets the next year. So when I'm evaluating these offers, I'm looking at it currently for my team, secondarily for my industry, tertiarily for the fans. Of course, we have to say we're talking about the fans first. That's what Rob said in the press conference. First, I'm upset for the fans. You have to say that. Players are looking at it from their standpoint first. The top 
of the free agency class. That's their standpoint first. Secondly, they're looking at it from the standpoint of the arbitration eligible players. Third of all, they're looking at it from the standpoint of the minimum players. Fourth, they're looking at it from the standpoint of amateur players, both domestic and international. Fifth, they're looking at it from the perspective of little league players. That's just the fact, folks, and that's okay. The reality is that they will get their act together and they will figure out how to get back to the table here in short order, but games will be missed. There will not be 162 games this season, just so you know. And that doesn't mean it won't be a representative season. At first, I told you that there'd be a delay. Then I think I backtracked and gave you a wait to see that it would start on time. It's not. I think I got that wrong. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. When it does, it does, and I revisit it. When it doesn't, I say, man, I got that one wrong. I've gotten plenty wrong. I've gotten a few right, too, over the time. We'll have a wait to see about a subject that I promised you that I would talk about, and we will do it after the break. We're going to talk about Kyler Murray because it's good. There'll be plenty more baseball to talk about during the course of the next days, weeks, months, and years, I promise you. But for now, let's take a break and talk about an unbelievable movie that out of nowhere I just watched. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you for being here with us every single day, sometimes twice. It's called Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Please rate us, review us, do all those things you do to keep us setting records. February was the best month this show ever had. More of you, more new listeners than ever before, more total listeners than ever before are both watching and listening. Please keep telling your friends about it because we have fun on this show. Maybe one day. We did have Coca on episode 500. We're now episode 546. Maybe one day we can sort of bring people a little more inside the curtain and have them actually hear the things. I don't know if we can do this or if you'd even allow it, Coca, but if we can have them hear the things that you're saying to me during the course of the show, I think people would love that. All right, move on. Like that. Okay, get to Murray. You promised it two days in a row and you only have right now 20 minutes. Let's go. I'll get there, Coca. We got to review a movie first. I have no idea how I didn't see this Oscar-nominated movie from four years ago. Oh, yes, I do. I was trying to sell a franchise that was way overpriced and trying to find someone to buy it. Somehow I totally missed Daniel Day-Lewis's last appearance, who is the best actor of his generation, maybe in my lifetime. I mean, I could do a top five, shouldn't I? I couldn't do it right now because that takes way too much thought. Have I ever done a top five actors of my lifetime? 
Well, if I did, Daniel Day-Lewis would be on that list, without a doubt. Tom Hanks would be too, by the way. But definitely Daniel Day-Lewis. If you haven't seen There Will Be Blood, please see it. If you haven't seen Gangs of New York, you better see it. If you haven't seen My Left Foot, hurry up and see it. If you haven't seen In the Name of the Father, what the hell are you doing, man? But I had never seen Phantom Thread, which is incredible. And the star of Phantom Thread is Daniel Day-Lewis, plus Coca. It's the same woman who starred in Bergman Island with Tim Roth. And I'm totally blanking on her name, but Coca's going to find it. He's going to find the female lead in Phantom Thread and realize that she was also in Bergman Island. And I think he'll find that her first name could have been Heidi, but I think that could be wrong. And it could be Creeps or Kreps or Cropes or Cripes. And it's not. It's Vicky. Thank you. Oh, it is Vicky Kreps, which I'm pronouncing wrong, I'm sure. Phantom Thread is about a fashion designer. And Daniel Day-Lewis, as you know, is a method actor. Daniel Day-Lewis played this fashion designer who really you assumed was a fashion designer not just quirky, but somewhat insane, somewhat uh, psychopathic, somewhat sociologically, neurologically insane, yet fascinating and brilliant. Phantom Thread did not get the type of love that you would expect because it was a little slow and a little long. The reason it's getting the love for me five years later, where I just watched it at a random midnight of I can't sleep, And it was one of those, usually the algorithm gets you to what's trending now or top 10 or newly released. But for whatever reason, Phantom Thread came up in This Might Interest You, which is ironic because I never do thumbs up or thumbs down because I don't want to be algorithmed. I want to organically find things to watch and then review them for you and make my decisions. But for whatever reason, Phantom Thread was there and it was good. So if you haven't seen it, you owe it to Daniel Day-Lewis. And he has not acted since then, which makes me despondent. Coca, do you know that Daniel Day-Lewis is covered with tattoos? Just like you are, did you know that? And for whatever reason, they cover them up in everything he does. I don't know why, maybe he doesn't want. It's like Johnny Depp covers a lot of his tattoos as well. Adam Levine did that too in Begin Again. Actors do that a lot. Maybe they don't want their personal tattoos to be shown or maybe they wanna make sure that people know that they're playing characters, not themselves, so they can't have their own personal ink on. Or maybe it's true that a fashion designer in the 1900s would not be covered head to toe in tattoos. All of that may be true. All right, Coca, it's time to talk Kyler Murray. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Go check out the movie Half-Baked after you watch Phantom Thread. Half-Baked is a movie where there's a character named Samson and everybody wants to talk to him because they want the drugs, baby. Well, if you want to talk to me, get on my Twitter, David P. Sampson. Hit follow, get into my direct mentions, ask me a question, and guess what? I may get to it. It may take me a couple days. I may never answer. I may answer immediately on Twitter, but not in the show. I may answer on the show, but on a mailbag. Or I may do it, boom, right now. Does the Kyler Murray statement make the Cardinals more or less likely to extend him? And, hello, David. Hello. I like when people say that. It's very personal. Like, hi, Dave. Hi, David. I'm more of a David. I'm not a Dave. I don't think anyone calls me Dave except Levitard. But I'm David. 
What are we talking about? You may have forgotten. Kyler Murray is the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray was the guy drafted by the Oakland A's, and then he went to play football. He started in his first day. He's no Jordan Love, right? He started immediately for a team that had won like three games. His team has won three or more games better than the season before for three straight years. Their team won 11 games last season. They lost in the playoffs. Kyler Murray has a rookie contract in the NFL, and he is now eligible to get a contract extension, just like Josh Allen did and Patrick Mahomes. All these guys got it in their fourth season, right before their fourth season. Kyler Murray's the one who stripped Instagram of all references to the Cardinals, and there was a whole conversation. Does he want out? Is there some sort of problem with management? Is he just negotiating? Is this his tactic? And then out of nowhere, two days ago, I couldn't even believe this. There was a statement released by his agent, who's a guy I'd never heard of named Eric Burkhart, who Coca told me is not just the agent for Murray, but also the agent for Murray's coach, which is weird. That's sort of a conflict of interest. This was a statement that was in all caps that basically could have been one line. And the statement could have read, I want my extension now. That's all. Love, Kyler. But it went on to talk about how much he's done to help improve the team and how great the organization is since he's got there and how important it is to win and how he's willing to take less now in order to make sure there's plenty of money available to structure a deal so that they can have other players. I love that when players say that. I'll take less so you can make sure you can sign my buddies around me and I need an offensive line, then I need to have a defense. So you got to make sure that I'm taking a little under now. Patrick Mahomes did that with Kansas City. He's like, I'm not taking the whole $450 million because barely any of it's guaranteed. So therefore, we'll have plenty of cap room, and I did it because of the cap. We had these brilliant cap people tell me how much I could take each year. It's a bunch of horse hockey. These players want to get as much guaranteed money as they can, and I don't blame them. Why wouldn't they? But why do you do it through a statement from your agent? The only reason you do anything in a negotiation, now stay with me, baseball, pay attention. The only reason to do anything during a negotiation is to gain leverage and get a better deal with the people against whom you are negotiating, period. Do you believe that the Arizona Cardinals are now more likely to give your client money because of that ridiculous all cap statement you made? Do the Cardinals sit there and say, you could ask your own client this, do they sit there and say, oh God, look at him, look in that statement. He wants what's best for us and he wants our organization to keep moving forward. And my God, he points out all the good things he's done as quarterback. It's a good thing he pointed them out in that statement because we didn't realize what our team record was. We had no idea what his accomplishments were as a quarterback. Oh, maybe he's just trying to convince the public of how good he was. But who gives a crap what the public thinks of how good he is because the public has no say in whether he gets an extension entering his fourth year. We do. So what was the purpose of it? To pressure. Yes. We're going to pressure the Cardinals into signing this extension by getting such public support rallied around how great Kyler Murray is. Good luck with that, Eric. You think that's going to work? Now, Kyler Murray's chances of signing an extension with the Arizona Cardinals did not get better because of the statement that was made by his agent. But you know what else happened? They didn't get worse either. The front office of the Cardinals does not act in a punitive way. 
Now, I've been punitive before, detour, Coca. I've been punitive with players before when we are able to assign them their contract in the first three years of their deal, of their service time, where you can actually have them make the minimum and that's it. By the way, the minimum being offered by MLB is so much higher now, but anyway. And if players can say, no, I want to make more, you can say, thank you, but you're making exactly what I'm telling you to make. And that's the end of it. Sometimes we would offer a player, if the minimum were $500,000, we would offer the player $520,000. And if the player said, no, I want more, we said, no problem. We're going to renew you at $510,000. So you just gave up $10,000 for arguing with me. Don't waste my time. Don't argue with me. That's back in the days of being punitive. It's called a renewal, in case you want to go Google that and look that up. But in football, or with free agents, punitive is not a necessary tactic when you are trying to deal with the other side's PR tactic. You can do some PR in return, but you don't do it in a punitive way. What you've seen from the Cardinals is a reaction that I would have had which is we look forward to Kyler Murray being our quarterback. We will work with his representatives to make sure that he remains our quarterback for the foreseeable future. That's the only type of statement I'd make if I were the Cardinals. But do you think that he's worthy of an extension now? Where would you put him? Is he better than Josh Allen? What about Patrick Mahomes? What about Deshaun Watson? I'm not saying off the field, on the field. What about Carson Wentz? Yeah, he's better than Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz got $128 million over four years entering his fourth year, but that wasn't today's Carson Wentz. That was three-year-ago Carson Wentz when he was supposed to be the cat's meow. Jared Goff got his in 2019. Remember how good he was supposed to be? That didn't work too well. Why are teams always looking to prematurely extend their players? Here's why when they think they have a competitive advantage and can end up paying less than they otherwise normally would have to to get the same quality of player. Do the Cardinals think that signing Kyler Murray right now will provide them with an advantage and a savings versus signing him later or tagging him and then letting him go? Whether they do or not has nothing to do with the statement. So to answer your question, no, the statement does not make the Cardinals more or less likely to extend him. But I'm going to give you a wait to see. I'm going to give you an official wait to see. Ready, Coca? You know what the wait to sees are. The Arizona Cardinals will not offer Kyler Murray an extension before the start of next season. Wait to see. That's what I predict will happen. Okay, we were back with nothing personal pick of the day yesterday. Thank God we had the Warriors plus one over the Timberwolves because the minute we put that on the air... The line moved to Warriors minus one over the Timberwolves. Thank God that we got that bet in at Warriors plus one because that was huge for us as the Warriors lost by a thousand. For crying out loud. We're 23 and 19. The Warriors lost. Stunk. What about tonight? The Beard and the MVP are going against the Dolan Knickerbockers. Philadelphia is favored by 10.5 over the Knicks. Talk about teams going in different directions. The game I'd like to see now would be Knicks-Lakers. How'd the Lakers do last night against the Mavs? Did they pull it out? I went to bed. Not. I watched it. 
The Lakers are bad. But we're taking the Philly 76ers, 10.5 over the New York Knicks. Okay? All right. I got to end the show with something that happened yesterday that that is really bothering me. And it's not baseball-related. And it's not football-related. It's women's basketball-related. Now, we don't talk a lot about women's basketball here. We do talk about women's sports. We talk about gender equality. We talk about compensation. We give you the facts about why women are paid less than men, and sometimes women are paid more than men. It's based on the amount of revenue you generate for your employer. It's based on the money you make for the people who are paying your salary. That is how salaries are defined. That is how value is determined. An article came out yesterday that makes quite a few people look not so good. The New York Liberty or WNBA team, that's the Women's National Basketball Association, a league started by the NBA, still owned in part by the NBA. They find the New York Liberty, whose owners are the same as the Brooklyn Nets, not the New York Knicks, although the owners of the Knicks, James Dolan, used to own the Liberty. The Liberty used to play in Madison Square Garden, but not enough people went to the games. It was way too costly to take up an event day at the greatest arena in the world with a women's basketball game than it would be to have Barnum Bailey's circus of abusing elephants. So the New York Liberty ended up playing someone else and then the team got sold and then Joe Sy bought the team, yada, yada, yada. Guess what? The New York Liberty got fined, wait for it, $500,000 by the commissioner of the WNBA. Was there tampering? What would have caused such a fine? What action by an owner would cause a league to say, we were going to fine you a million. We were thinking of taking away your franchise. What? Did, did I do something racist? Sexist? Was there workplace misconduct? Nope. Well, what did I do? You committed the cardinal sin. You allowed your players to fly on a chartered plane. <gasps> what? That is an outrage. You can't have your players fly in a charter plane. We are fining you. They must fly commercially in seat 79G. That's right. Middle seats for our players. That's what we want. Before you all get worked up, let me quickly explain. The collective bargaining agreement between the players and the owners in the WNBA is very clear that there has to be commercial travel only. <laughs> now, why would that be in a CBA? Because some owners of WNBA teams are rich and some aren't. Some are big market teams, some aren't. And in negotiating with the players, the players were more interested in increasing their salaries and giving up the benefit and bonus of travel comfort. When you negotiate your salary, if someone offered you, here's the deal. You can make $60,000 a year, but you get to fly first class whenever you fly for your job. Or you get to make $85,000 a year, but we're going to have you fly coach. You decide. We're good either way. You decide. Well, why are you good either way? 
because it's the same amount of money we're giving to you. If we give you 85 grand in coach tickets, that equals giving you 60 grand plus first class tickets. We did the math. We know exactly where you're traveling. We looked at the schedule. And the player said, I gotcha. I'll take 85 in coach, please. Because 85 in coach helps me live a life that 60 in first class only makes me comfy. With extra legroom. Wait, can we fly extra legroom? How about premium economy? Can we work that into the deal? I'm only making light of it because, by the way, it was only in the 1980s when I was lucky enough to be on the road with professional teams who were flying in coach and sharing a hotel room, might I add. Right there, walking through airports, going through security, sitting as basketball players with their long legs and seat 69J. Yep, saw it, was on the plane. It's pretty cool watching teams travel. But then as time passed, charter travel became a requirement in part of the collective bargaining. Right now, it is not a requirement in the WNBA, and you can't have an owner who's violating the CBA because you then could have a disparate reaction by free agents. I want to go play for the Liberty because they fly first class. Now, you'd think the Liberty would be the best team, have the most free agents, don't know if they do or don't, but the WNBA could not have a maverick owner, pun intended, they could not have a maverick owner spending money in ways that other teams were not willing to spend, therefore creating an unfair advantage. But it leads to a bigger question. Why is it so different for women to be treated like men? It shouldn't be a question that professional basketball players fly on a charter plane and don't have to subject themselves to what normal people have to subject themselves to. It shouldn't be a question that the way they're treated should be the same as the way the men in the NBA are treated. It shouldn't be a question that women shouldn't have to pay to get the same payments and the same salaries. I hear you. I understand that that is your argument. I really do. In theory, in Disney World, I'd like to agree with you and tell you that's the way, not just that it should be, but that's the way it will be. But the reality is when you're running a business, you've got to make decisions based on not just profitability, but based on survival. You've got to find a way to make it so that your business doesn't fold. And the WNBA has been on the cusp. Is that the fault of fans who don't go? Is it the fault of broadcasters who don't pay enough money to the league to show games because not enough cable providers want to pay the league anything to show those games? I'm not sure it's anybody's fault because consumers, you vote with your fingers. You vote with your tongue. You vote with your pocketbook. Is it fair that the owner of the Liberty got fined $500,000 because he wanted to treat women better? No, but that's also not the point. It was just business. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.